welcome to the Three Bald Guys Talk Marketing Podcast with Three Bald Guys. Fred Peritsky of FCP Digital, Paul Schindel of Three Bears Communications, and freelance writer Rodney Warner. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for our podcast for Three Bald Guys Talk Marketing. Uh, I guess the theme is marketing in the time of coronavirus. You know, there's there's this old novel, Love in the Time of Cholera, which I've never I've never read, but I know it's out there. So that's you, you, that's, you that's should, what it, that's but what it sounds like. You should, but you should read it at a time of not coronavirus. <laughs> we're getting we're getting enough now. It's a it's a beautiful and sad and wonderful novel. Okay, because because a lot of us will have plenty of time to read. So yes. <laughs> so I'm Rodney Warner. I'm a uh, freelance writer and. Uh, Paul, why don't you introduce yourself? Paul Schindel, Three Bears Advertising and Marketing Communications, working from Princeton, Lawrenceville, and Global Headquarters Online. How about you, Fred? And I'm Fred Peritsky, FCP Digital, Full Service Digital Marketing Agency in Richboro, PA, and in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but our offices there are closed and working from home in Richboro. So all our listeners, things might sound a little different because we're doing this via Zoom. So the audio is what it is. I'm I'm sure it's it's perfectly listenable. And our guest today is Kelly Harris, CEO of Cancer Support Community, Greater Philadelphia. Thank you for coming, Kelly. Thank you, Rodney. Glad to be here. So Kelly, why don't you give us the 30-second elevator speech for, uh, for the organization? Cancer Support Community Greater Philadelphia is a nonprofit that provides a comprehensive program of support activities for anybody living with a cancer diagnosis and their families. So we have everything from support groups to individual counseling to educational programs, mind-body programs. We have a very large program for children and teens that we take out into the local schools, summer camps for kids. We have bereavement services, and we provide that uh, free of charge to anybody who needs it. And I understand the, the organization's been around since 2003. That's correct. We've been doing this for well over 25 years. And in fact, we've served hundreds of thousands of people in the greater Philadelphia area. And the organization has kind of changed. You're actually serving a a pretty big geographic area. We are. You know, originally uh, we started out as two separate organizations under the same national organization. We were Gilda's Club Delaware Valley, named after the late Gilda Radner, and we were the wellness community in Philadelphia. And we found that after there was a merger at the national level between Gilda's Club Worldwide and the wellness community, we found that locally it made more sense for us to merge and start to provide services as one organization rather than competing with each other for the same people and fundraising dollars. So what would you describe as your your current marketing efforts? Right now, you know, we're crazy times, right? I mean, we typically, so if I look back to before uh, COVID-19, you know, we 
do a lot of marketing to the local communities to get the word out about the services we provide. So we talk with hospitals, doctors, pharmaceutical companies, civic groups like Lions and Rotaries, just to spread the word that we have the service available to the community. We just want to make sure that we get people through our doors and support people through what is for many of them the hardest time in their life. So since, you know, th this whole COVID-19 uh, issue has evolved, uh, we find ourselves with a real challenge because people are now facing this in addition to the stress and anxiety of their cancer diagnosis. So we're getting calls from people saying, you know, I'm supposed to go for chemotherapy, I'm supposed to go for radiation or a test, and they're, they're having a lot of stress and anxiety about it. They're not sure what they should do. Um, you know, the healthcare system right now is really pretty overwhelmed. And so we're getting a lot of calls from people who need us to kind of talk them through it. So our staff is online right now, uh, answering calls. They're monitoring the website and our calls. And the staff have developed a complete program, program of online activities that people can participate from in their own home. So we've had cooking demonstrations, we've had yoga classes, we've had a personal trainer, um, and we've had hundreds of views. I'm really happy to see that people are taking advantage of this in this difficult time. So uh, Kelly, uh, I was, I was going to say, you know, as far yeah. as, as far as COVID-19, the reason is that's such a concern for, for members is, is because that, that can be really dangerous. Virus is, is especially damaging to people with chronic uh, medical conditions like, like cancer. So, so the concerns are, are far greater than, than what would be the, the average population. Absolutely. Often chemotherapy and radiation can cause compromised immune systems in different ways. And you're exactly right, Rodney. People have to manage that anyway when they're just going through cancer treatment. So when you put this extra layer of a threatening virus on top of it, it's pretty devastating. Kelly, we're, um, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, the 19th of March. What is the current state of things in terms of pa patients who are presently scheduled for chemotherapy or radiation are those treatments um, being administered? Are they being put on hold? Um, what's, you know, what's happening right now with patients and their treatments? We're seeing a couple different things. You know, obviously if people have procedures that are considered non-essential, uh, they're either being canceled or patients are choosing to postpone them. We are hearing for, from some people that, you know, they have to continue. You know, if they're in, the process of a, a radiation cycle, you know, they can't just disrupt that. Right. Uh, I think, you know, for uh, people are telling us that, that hospitals and oncology offices are taking extra precautions as far as masks, gowns, gloves, um, when they administer those treatments. But, you know, it doesn't erase the patient's anxiety sure. around going into that office. I, I actually just got a call before I was on uh, talking to you guys, and the woman said that she had to go to her doctor for a test that really couldn't wait. She wore a mask, and she said there were two people in the office who 
were sitting fairly close to each other and did not have a mask on, and it was really scaring her. I heard somebody today went to a doctor's office, and the, the doctor was scheduling patients 45 minutes apart so the, the waiting room wouldn't be overcrowded. And when she was there, there were many, many, many open seats, and an elderly gentleman sat down right next to her. And then she moved away, of course. I, he may not know what's going on or memory issues, but we have a, a few friends that do have cancer. While my wife and I are being very careful, I would assume that they have to be even more careful than us with coming into contact with other people at all, or is, or am I wrong about that? No, I think you're 100% correct. If you're already compromised, uh, you just open yourself up to the potential of that much more possibility of contracting something that you don't want to get. I mean, you don't even necessarily want to get a regular cold if you're immunocompromised because then it goes beyond a regular cold. So I think, you know, there's that. And then the, the overlaying piece on that too is that, you know, going through a cancer diagnosis can be pretty darn depressing. So I would imagine. Right. So now, you know, one of the one of the benefits of what we provide is we provide a community where people can come together. People tell us that that alleviates their stress and their anxiety and just kind of changes their their focus and, and kind of lightens the load a little bit. So for them not to be able to do that and participate in person uh, it has been tough. Now, you know, we've been getting a lot of attendance. Uh, we've been doing online support groups. And those numbers are pretty consistent. You know, we had a, a family group yesterday with uh, seven families on there talking about, you know, one of the parents is, is critically ill in each of those families, talking about ways they can support their kids through this because it's, it's tough and this is just one more thing. The groups are normally held at um, locations, at, at cancer support center locations? Yes, they are. And they where 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 are those locations? So we have eight locations that we provide services from. Our two main locations, the first one is in Warminster, and the second one is in Philadelphia in Fairmount Park. And then we have locations at Doylestown Hospital, Abington Hospital, Crozier Chester Medical Center, Grandview Hospital, and Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And are our programs are there programs there pretty much every day? Um, and what what are the type? I mean, I'm guessing that you have programs for different age groups and maybe for different diagnoses. We do. We have groups that are topic or diagnosis specific. We have general support groups. So you know, you could see someone with breast cancer in a group with someone who has prostate cancer. Um, you know, there are a lot of similarities when you go through cancer treatment, but we also do provide the diagnosis specific groups because that's, that's helpful too. And, and we know that that, that works with the, our community. So when it comes to marketing the organization, um, it, it seems to me you've got multiple audiences to deal with ranging from supporters, financial or supporters, maybe volunteers as well. Um, you've got to find and connect with cancer patients themselves and their families. Um, who do you identify as your, as your audiences, your targets for marketing, and how do you approach each of them? Well, I would say all of the above, you know, and that, that 
in and of itself is our, our challenge. So, you know, yes, we want to market to cancer patients. We want to market to their families, their doctors, all of their healthcare providers, whether it's the pharmacist or the drug rep that sells the medication to the hospitals. We, we really want to do kind of a comprehensive plan. Um, you know, uh, the thing for us is we are fully self-funded. So uh, we don't receive any government funds. We don't charge for anything. We can't bill insurance for what we provide. So we have to raise each and every dollar to make sure that we can maintain our program of activities. So, you know, it is a challenge because we, ha we have a lot of different avenues that we have to go down to, to make people aware of what we provide. You know, our, our outreach to donors is, is often very different than our outreach to cancer patients. Although it's, it's really at the crux of all of it, it's about raising awareness and letting people know what we do. So, you know, we uh, don't have a big marketing budget. And, you know, we utilize a lot of freeways. We, we go to health fairs. We just go out and kind of pound the pavements, letting people know. We send packets to doctors. We call uh, oncology centers and talk to them about the services we provide. Uh, but it's, it's an ongoing challenge that not only do we not have a lot of money, but we have staff that aren't necessarily trained in marketing. Uh, and they do their best, you know, but um, it, it's something that if we could, if we could get more marketing out there, it, it would be hugely helpful. You know, I just like to add, I mean, I've been active in the organization since 2004 and people who belong to the organization, the, you know, the, the members can't be asked for donations. That's, that's one of the, that's one of the rules. So as far as the potential population of, of donors, uh, the members are kind of off the map. So, I mean, they're, they're free to, uh, to donate, but they're not going to be asked to donate. That's so right. that's, so that's one of the, that's one of the marketing and, and fundraising challenges uh, of, uh, of the organization. And the organization also of a huge part of the organization's funding is, uh, is uh, fundraising events what people's health are going to be three, four, five, eight, ten weeks from now. I mean, unfortunately, this, I hope this virus won't really impact fundraising events, but I suppose it's possible. You know, it already has, Rodney. We have just postponed one event and canceled another, and that would account for probably $120,000 of our budget. Wow but we just know that we can't reschedule the larger one. Uh, you know, it, it's having a huge impact. We're you know, our donors are telling us with the drop in the stock market, our larger donors are saying, we just don't have the available funds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our, our smaller donors um, are kind of the backbone of our organization and are continuing to send in five and $10. But without those events, to your point, Rodney, it's, uh, we're, we're struggling. I'm, uh, Kelly, I'm wondering if some of the events could be done virtually, uh, which you see, you see periodically anyway with organizations that do virtual ad books. My synagogue, for example, the men's club ran a, a sweetheart dance because we don't call it Valentine's Day, St. Valentine's Day in a synagogue. And it was a virtual non-event, which is how they publicized it. A non-event. A non-event, yes. 
You're welcome. And, and the advertising said, we invite you not to attend the the annual sweetheart dance. And they it's a fundraising thing. And you probably end up raising more money because there's zero expense. The expense would only be advertising. Um, and that's minimal. Yeah, well, so certainly, if, certainly yeah, we're yeah. all we're all seeing um, in in real time the um, the tools that are available through systems like Zoom and GoToMeeting and other other gathering platforms. And uh, there's no doubt. I think Fred, that's a, a great idea to be able to uh, leverage this technology and and the the fact that we can get. Um, I was on a on a Zoom conference this morning that had 76, 78 people, something like that, and to be able to see all those people in real time mm -hmm. and engage with them is something that might be uh, really beneficial to to Kelly and to the um, cancer support uh, group. Yeah, we we, we actually um, have been using Zoom as well as we've been streaming uh, events live on Facebook which have nice. been really well attended. So we were kind of switching back and forth between the two just so that we can hit the maximum amount of people. Sure. So all really good points. And, you know, we are considering doing a virtual event. We're, we're talking about that tomorrow, actually, uh, to maybe recoup some of the loss from that large event that we need to cancel. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, I, I guess you were hoping to get 120,000. What's, What's your total budget? How big a bite is that? Our budget is about a million dollars. Just just a little bit over a million dollars. Significant. That's a significant chunk for us. Right. So that's that's over 10% of your budget. Yeah. And we don't know, you know, going forward uh, what's going to happen uh, the rest of the year. So, you know, this is going to have trickle down uh, impact because, you know, with everybody else moving a lot of things to the fall, I think donors are going to feel kind of overwhelmed with having to support multiple causes if that's what they normally do, but it's all going to be in a concentrated time frame. Right. You know, I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, it's the, I guess, I don't know if it's official yet. There's been proposals that people are just going to get sent thousand dollar checks from the courtesy of uncle Sam. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that those who are interested in the organization and feel secure enough can maybe pass that along to either your organization or whatever organization that that they're involved with yeah that would be fantastic and you know good time to point out like you said rodney this is not just about us i think a lot of charities are in the same boat and really struggling with lack of funding and support at this time so you know i i totally understand how other places are doing as well. Yeah, I, I have um, two of my non-profit, non not-for-profit um, clients had had events scheduled for the beginning of May. Both, both of those have been postponed until uh, one in October and one in November. And uh, Kelly, you're absolutely right that there will be a, a, a crunch, um, kind of an overwhelming uh, number of requests for support to uh, to come out after this passes, not to mention um, whatever kind of new causes and new you know new pleas will come up because of 
people um, needing to, to support or wanting to support nonprofits that are dedicated to virus research, let's say. Right. Uh, well, you know, uh, for a lot of people, we hear this uh, fairly regularly, food insecurity is a real issue. So yes. we have people that come to us and because of healthcare costs and co-pays and loss of jobs, you know, food is an issue for them. And I think, you know, now with people either losing employment or having their employment cut back, that's becoming even more real to people. And, and we have people that are calling us and telling us that they're scared. So we're really working hard with local uh, restaurants and places that have reached out to us and said, you know, if you have people that need something, contact us and we'll make it happen, which is great. It's great to see the community pull together in that way. No, I think well, one of the issues with the, uh, with the food banks is people aren't shopping like they used to. Right. You know, they're, not, they're not, maybe they're going to the store twice a month or once a week. They're not just like dropping in every couple of days. So they're literally buying more food and there's, there's less to buy. And I, I'm, I, I think we're more concerned about ourselves than anybody else, given these, this kind of wacky situation we're dealing with. It, it is. I, I was wondering, Kelly, what could we do as people in marketing and people that know, know people that could give money, know people that are dealing with cancer? What could we do to help get the word out and to help um, maybe give you ideas for marketing? What would, what would you like from us? to be able to do to help the organization? I mean, you know, ideas are a great donation for us. You know, sometimes we, you know, we talk things and talk things about and, you know, are constantly trying to figure out the best way to handle things. And sometimes it's just really great to hear another opinion. It could be something we haven't thought of. Um, you know, people can contact us. Um, our website is www cancersupportphiladelphia.org. You know, we'd, we'd love to hear what people have to say. If people have anything, a resource they can share, uh, we're happy to pass that along. Um, you know, awareness for us is really the key. So, you know, if there's any opportunity to share the work that we do, that's hugely helpful. Could you tell us a little bit about um, Ridgeland Manor and what what that is and what it does and a little bit about a quick history of it. Sure. That's our Philadelphia location. It's part of the Fairmount Park system. It's one of the mansions in Fairmount Park. It was built in the 1700s. We took over that property to use as uh, one of our main locations to provide our programs. We rent the property from the city. We also several years ago started to rent out the space for weddings, birthday parties, bridal showers, any kind of event. We have corporate events there. We have, uh, we work collaboratively with Open Air Affairs and Joshua's Catering and um, they host the events there. And when people make their first payment for their event, uh, that money goes to us. So not only is it helping us, but for the person that's scheduling whatever event they're having, that's also a tax deductible donation, which is really, it means a win-win wow. for everybody. That's so awesome. we have a full calendar of events and, and that's been hugely helpful to help us meet our budgetary needs. 
you know, we're talking about the, uh, you know, marketing the organization. I mean, I think it's, I think it's gotten a lot better over the years. I think the, the website is, is much better. And yeah, thank you, Rodney. <laughs> it is and, a nice website. And, and, you know, we've, we've kind of discussed this when we, when we had the guests from uh, big brothers, big sisters, you know, you know, a, a critical way to, to really get the message out and for people to understand what's going on is, is, is personal stories. And I think the website really kind of, kind of leverages that. Yeah. Thank you. I agree. As far as marketing in the past, you know, what do you think has, has worked well, what hasn't worked and, and, and what do you hope to do in the future? Well, I think to your point about our website, you know, we put a lot of time and effort into revamping our website. We have really worked hard to increase our footprint on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And that's really been helpful. We developed a, a plan that outlines, you know, the quantity and content of the different posts that we put out there. And, um, you know, we've reached out to newspapers, television stations, just to kind of be able to share our stories and, and talk about, like you said, let's hear the stories of how this has made a difference in the life of local families, because it really has. And, and we hear that all the time, that people are less stressed, they're less anxious, they feel like they've learned something, that for that period of time, when your world comes crashing down and you don't know what your outcome is going to be, that um, we're there and we, we're there to support people. And you're talking about the, you know, what, what's going on in Philadelphia, but you also have a, a new facility or maybe an improved facility in, in Warminster. We do. We just put an addition on to our children and teen building through the generosity of a donor. Uh, we found that the space that we had just wasn't big enough. So we have a new thousand square foot addition that's going to allow us to host larger educational events for the kids in summer camp. It's going to be a much better space for them to gather in and uh, use if the weather's not so great. Yeah, that's exciting. And uh, we actually were going to have a, a kind of a grand opening, which has now been pushed back till <laughs> we don't actually know when at this point, but that was scheduled for the end of April. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll let you all know when that's going to be rescheduled. You know, I, whenever I go on uh, Jacksonville Road, I think it's Jacksonville Road, I see yeah. a sign for Gilda's yeah. Club, and I never knew what that was because I just passed by it. I always wondered, did, did it have something to do with Gilda Radner? So I'm glad you talked about, about that a little bit. Exactly. That's, uh, that's exactly where we are, right off of uh, Jacksonville Road on Kirk Road. So um, Gene Wilder started Gilda's house um, after Gilda Radner passed away. Um, I did a couple of projects uh, way back in the day um, for the Gilda's house branch in New York. And... Um, they, as as Kelly explained, they they provide uh, or provided essentially the same services as cancer support community, and it seems to me the merger was a, a good and sensible one. Um, it's an interesting thing in the context that there are many nonprofits out there, and maybe for-profit organizations, certainly for-profit organizations that are in essence in competition with one another doing the same thing. And in a commercial standpoint, that's fine because competition is, is good uh, for, you know, for competition is good, generally speaking. Um, but when nonprofits compete 
and they are largely overlapping in their in their mission in their coverage area um, sometimes uh, the the greater good is better served by uh, sort of two heads you know putting their heads together and acting as partners rather than as competitors totally you know we see that a lot when we approach funders I think collaboration is a real key word for funders right now because they don't want to see duplication of services they want to see people working together to provide better services together than competing separately and it makes sense do you receive um, grant money from foundations uh, or organizations like that? We do. We probably last year received uh, just under $100,000 from foundations and different funders through grant opportunities. You know, it'll be interesting to see this year. Uh, what we know is that several of them base the amount of the gift on how their portfolio right, the profit. fared. Right. So... Yes. Um, that's a little frightening when we think about what's been happening with the stock market, but you know, hopefully there, there'll be some rebound and uh, people will be able to give at the same level they gave to us last year. Okay. So, so what's, what's your takeaway, Fred? One of my takeaways is I learned a lot about the cancer support and Rodney has talked about it before and it's more meaningful to me now because I have friends going through, through this and, um, I would like to be able to, to give some support. It may not be able to be financial right now, but there is marketing support that I would be able to, to offer the organization and also help get the word out to people that I know. And the funding will come back. During, during the time of the Madoff scandal, I was an executive director at, um, at a synagogue and some people were affected, but more people said that they were affected and use that as an excuse. And I think that might be part of what's going to happen now too. A lot of, look, a lot of us are affected by the stock market with our 401ks and IRAs, but there's probably an equal number of people who are not affected and can still give. Um, so I don't know. I know it's going to be a challenging time for everybody in business and especially nonprofits. And I think a lot of people forget about nonprofits during a time like this, unfortunately, when yeah. they're, they're always important. And so, Fred, what's your takeaway? My takeaway is to um, support organizations like this and get people to, to know, to know what they do. Because I think I only peripherally heard about this before through Rodney just a little bit. And they need more marketing. So if we could help you know, I want to help with marketing somehow. Great. How about you, Paul? What's your takeaway? My takeaway is that coronavirus or no coronavirus, there are people out there who have great need, people uh, who right now are dealing with cancer um, themselves, with their family members, and um, organizations like Cancer Support uh, Community of Greater Philadelphia are um, very important on any day of the week or any any year and especially uh, important and valuable uh, during times when uh, things are in somewhat crisis and panic mode so um, all the best to uh, to cancer support community to you Kelly and thank you for joining us this afternoon 
Yeah, thank you, guys, very you much. Know, yeah, know, thank what, you. You know what? What I think of because I've I've worked for nonprofits. Most nonprofits have plenty of demand. There's there's no lack of need. It's 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 the funding end and and the volunteer end that 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 really needs really needs the most help. And unfortunately, it's it's something that is is totally under resourced. I mean, I think. I think effective marketing is is just as critical to a nonprofit as it is to a business, but it it just I don't I don't think most nonprofits can really afford a big marketing budget, so it's almost it's almost like a chicken and the egg or or dog and cat as, as whatever is going on with <laughs> yeah whatever's over there with with Kelly. Okay, so thank you, Kelly, for for thank showing you. up to our inaugural remote podcast recording. Thank you, guys. It was great talking with all of you. Can I just add one more thing? Please. Okay, so I, I thought about this in the last uh, few minutes. As important as the the money is, volunteers are probably just as important. As Rodney and I see through our work with our Newtown Business Association, a lot of events that we do, getting volunteers is, the, uh, is a big challenge. And with this uh, virus and the... Um, the quarantines that we're all in, there's going to be a ripple effect that I didn't even really think about just until the last couple of days or so. And, and somebody mentioned it earlier in a few months from now, when this settles down and we know what's happening, all the events that were planned are going to start happening. They're all going to be happening at the same time. So besides people's lack of time to attend them and spend money for them, there's also going to be a lack of volunteers to support them. Just like I'm sure you have a problem getting not only donors, but volunteers to help with your events. Absolutely. So we have to try and muster the forces of the volunteer groups to get people to help, not just to raise money, but to help man and woman the events that are yeah. coming up. A, so, lot, so a lot of our um, property management is done by volunteer groups. So, you know, we can cut the grass, but the volunteers come in and pick up the sticks and the trash and plant the flowers and all of that. Nice. So before we, before we sign off, what's, what's the contact information for a cancer support community, greater Philadelphia, if someone listening in wants to reach out? Yeah. So they can visit our website at www.cancersupportphiladelphia.org or they can call us at 215-441-3290 and leave a message and we will absolutely call them back. And what's can that they... phone number again? 215-441-3290. And Hold the number at the bottom of your screen right now. Well, and Kelly, they can donate, uh, they can make a donation online through your website? Absolutely can. Very good. Thanks again. Hey, thank you. Thank yes. you, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly, and uh, thank you, gentlemen, and until next time, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for joining us at the Three Bald Guys Talk Marketing Podcast. Please join us again next time. And check out our website at three, the number three, baldguyspodcast.com. Until next time. May the good marketing be yours. <laughs>